If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Nurse Wellness Podcast, hosted by Wendy Garvin Mayo, focuses on the power of stress management and how it's foundational to being your best, doing your best, and giving your best. There's a wonderful episode that you should check out called Letting Go, where Wendy Garvin Mayo shares six strategies to release control and manage stress effectively. Check out Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. I'm Tara Bradner, and this is Hopeful Hints, an infertility podcast where you will receive quick, hopeful hints to guide you through infertility. Here, you will find education, inspiration, and most importantly, find peace as you walk through this journey to fulfill your family vision. Welcome to Hopeful Hints. I'm your host, Dr. Tara Bradner, and I'm so excited for today's guest, Kathy Quillett. Not only is she a friend of mine, she's an amazing asset to the fertility community. So thank you, Kathy, for joining us today. She's the owner and licensed counselor of Tennessee Reproductive Therapy. The best team. The best team. Awesome. Teamwork, dream work. Teamwork makes the dream work, right? Yes. Today, we're going to talk about something near and dear to my heart for many reasons, but most importantly, to try to help you guys, no matter what stage of infertility you are at or going through, we know that communication is a common topic across the board, whether it's communication with your healthcare provider, with your counselor, with your support group, but most importantly, with your spouse or significant other when it comes to treatment in general, Mm. or what are we going to do next? And I know I've seen with my own patients, with myself, there is hard times. There's hard times with communication, with relationships, with goals when we're moving through the diagnosis of infertility. So I hope today we can give you guys some hopeful hints, but also just some background into maybe why this happens or things to look for, some red flags. So we're going to break this into two parts. So we're on part one. We're going to start with signs of poor communication and some relationship red flags when you are going through infertility as a couple, because nothing prepares you for this. Right, Kathy? You are so right. I think the first thing that we need to keep in mind just before we even get into these common red flags is we call the season of infertility a reproductive trauma, right? Just the very nature of being diagnosed with infertility, having, you know, your first scan where your, you know, life gets hard, you wake up from surgery like I did. And the doctor says, I'm so sorry, here's what your journey looks like. Or maybe it's um, an ultrasound that no longer has a beating heart on it. That moment knocks us off our axis. It's like the world stops turning and and then we start functioning almost like we're in the middle of this really, really traumatic event. And so something to keep in mind when we're going through, especially, okay, infertility is oftentimes the first real life crisis that we deal with as a couple. In the beginning of our my husband and my relationship, in the first year, my grandmother died, his uncle died. We dealt with those so, so differently. He grieved his uncle and I supported him. I grieved my grandma and he supported me, but it wasn't something we grieved together. Fertility, miscarriage, which is our story, uh, recurrent miscarriage, 
that was something we acutely had to grieve together. So we're in this trauma. It's my body. I'm going through this. It's female factor. It's my problem. It's my story. It's female factor. And we're grieving it, but we're grieving it differently. I'm grieving the pain and the shame of this, the anger towards my body. And he's grieving it silently because he doesn't want to quote burden me. Right. So I think one of the first things that we have to keep in mind is that, and is a red flag, can be a red flag, but we grieve really differently. That's not a problem like you're grieving differently than I. It's not necessary to condemn the relationship, but it's something that we really have to pay attention to is the fact that we do grieve really differently. And that's okay. I share this story often that it'll be 20 years this year. My brother was in a motorcycle accident, head first into an F-150, traumatic brain injury. He's a paraplegic. Um, He's okay. Um, but he's in a wheelchair. The story that goes along with it, that is that while he was in the hospital for a month's time, my mom, my dad, my other brother, and I all did it really differently. We were grieving the same person. Mom wanted all of our friends and family there. Dad wanted none of them there. He just wanted the four of us. My other brother wanted to be in the hospital room, like paying attention to every vital sign. And I hid in the stairwell. Like, I don't know why, but I was just like, where's Kathy? She's in the stairwell. And the thing is, we all grieved it differently, but we grieved it so, we grieved it in our own way. And that was okay. That was okay. The hard thing is, is in the middle of infertility, when this is the first thing that you guys are grieving together. Signs that we really need to be aware of is obviously there's poor coping skills, right? Like drinking too much, eating incorrectly, maybe going out with people that aren't appropriate for us to go out with, spending time with people, just isolation. I mean, COVID is handing us like a secondary trauma to everybody in the world right now. And so we all, I heard something on the radio today that like 45% of people have gained an average of 29 pounds. So we need to pay attention to how we're coping. That's obviously a red flag. Isolation of communication. A lot of times what I see is a women in my office. So all I treat with Tennessee reproductive therapy, all we treat is infertility, pregnancy loss, pregnancy, postpartum, and adoption. I see 90% only women. And one of the main complaints is my husband doesn't want to talk to me about it. My, my partner doesn't want to talk to me about it. I feel all alone. I carry the weight of dealing with this completely, of finding treatment completely, talking to the doctor by myself. Like my partner will show up and give me injections if that's necessary, but I'm also doing 90% of the research and everything. So there's this real big loneliness, even in the midst of grieving together. Uh, people are generally um, not finding out information and coping in that way together. So that's a real red flag that I, when I finally get a a partner to show up in my office, I'm like, you need to carry your weight. You absolutely need to carry your weight. Now I had to drag my bleeding into counseling. Is there any tips on how to perhaps uh, speak to the man at this point or spouse or whoever may not want to go to get them and encourage them to go? You just said you got to pull your weight. Is there anything else? I think a really big thing is I'm a really big on like the one under approach. One under is like, I'll say like, I understand that you don't want to do this, but why don't you come in and we'll talk about support tools for how you can support your wife. 
right? Not like, hey, you're being a schmuck. Come into therapy so you can show up and be a better partner. That's not beneficial whatsoever. So what is helpful that I would say is just like, even if you don't want to come for you, you don't see that there's a problem in how you're coping or you're drinking like a fish or you're avoiding or whatever. Come in for me. Come in with me. I mean, I will tell my clients, like, I'm never antagonistic to them. This isn't like two against one. Like, if you come into therapy with me, my client becomes the marriage. And so, how can I make this really grow? Whatever. So, hopefully, a good therapist isn't going to team up on the partner that maybe isn't pulling enough weight. However, Men, pull your weight. Yes. You might not understand. It does. It does. A lot of men think, now I hate speaking in broad sweeping generalizations because my husband didn't do a lot of research. He pulled his weight, but like he doesn't understand what a uterine cramp is. He doesn't understand the discharge of ovulation. There's some stuff that a male partner just isn't going to understand. So all the grace for that. But men, if you're listening, supportive partners, if you're listening, like, Interview a doctor, call a clinic, right? Figure out a side effect for a medication. Understand what IUI means and all that goes into it. Figure out how to make a deposit. Call billing yourself or your insurance company. Duh. Dare is I'm air clapping. I'm so I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Please because do those things. They're huge. Yeah. Out of me calling the billing department again actually gives me like the instant anxiety. Yeah. Instant. Right. But we're already living through a reproductive trauma. So all this raw stuff, like every time you have to, you know, you see your clinic call you or you have to call them or whatever, it's triggers to this trauma. It's like a veteran coming back from war and going to a fireworks show, right? Your nervous system is just going bonkers. So those are red flags. I, um, or maybe not even red flags, but like, hey, how do we step into this hard together? I think is the really big thing. How do we step into this? We we made those vows in front of each other. Better for worse, death do us part. We're in it to win it at the beginning of marriage, yeah. right? And it's so easy. Like I always use my hands and show like palm to palm. We're face to face when we get married. We're intimate, whatever. Life naturally turns us so we're shoulder to shoulder, right? And we're just doing life. It takes a little bit more deliberate communication to be face to face. But, but sometimes we can still do it, but we're shoulder to shoulder, infertility, any life trauma, any life crisis, whether it's finances, birth of a first child, whatever kinds of, ter- kind of turns us. So sometimes my hands are no longer palm to palm, but they're like back to back. Right. And we're not as intimate, right? We have to fight every day. People say that marriage takes a lot of hard work. Yes, but it doesn't have to be done in the trenches. Marriage doesn't have to be a lot of hard work. If you do hard work every single day, if every emotional encounter, any conversation, any sexual encounter, whatever, you're putting work and deliberate attention into that, your marriage doesn't have to be work in the trenches all the time. There might be moments, right? There might be moments, but you don't have to live in this like we're in crisis mode all the time. If you set the intention to come together and be face to face all the time, to be united, to do this together. That is, oh, I just love that. That's great general marriage advice right there. And that description with hands, back to back face. Oh my gosh, I just love that. What are some common things that you see in your practice with couples experiencing infertility? Uh, He is typically avoidant and angry. 
not angry at anybody, but just angry at the situation. I mean, better at age fixers. I have to sit my husband down sometimes and be like, I'm going to bring something to you, but the last thing you're allowed to do is fix it right now. I think I should disclaimer that all like, oh, I do every single time and over and over and over. Every woman I work with, I say, if you want to bring something to him, tell him he needs like, and I'll say sometimes, I just need you to bobblehead. I just need you to hold my hand. I just need you to tell me I'm pretty. Like, whatever. But don't, don't fix it. And so uh, men are fixers. I think every, every person with theaters can say that. So he's angry and avoidant and she's emotional and all consumed. That's how, how the couples are walking in. I think there is a rawness, a fragility to to it. I mean, I can tell so much about a couple's status in their relationship when they walk into my session. How are they interacting with each other and how do they sit on my couch? That's how do they sit on my couch? Right. Instantly. Instantly. When a couple sits down and they're jovial and he invites her into him, right? Like, come on over here. Like I have my arm around you, whatever. Like I know what I'm working with. If you sit on opposite sides of the couch and are interacting with each other and are staring right at me, waiting for me to be the person to break the ice in your marriage and you have to go home, I know we have problems. Well, that would describe how we walked into our counseling. The last option B was was us. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a hard thing. It doesn't mean you know, that we have to condemn the marriage. And I say that, like, I always say marriage needs an oil change before it goes to the junkyard. A lot of times we want to avoid the junk. If we take it in for an oil change, every once in a while, we address the needs so that we can move closer on the couch, that we can make eye contact so that we can be palm to palm. Right. is amazing. That's a lot of what we need. Not everything, but a a lot of it. So join us next week for part two of this, we are going to give you guys ways to improve communication and just some tips to help get you through no matter what stage you may have related to, whether you're opposite end of the couch or arm around each other or you're somewhere in between. We're going to give you guys some hopeful hints to help you improve your communication as a couple when going through infertility. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over and hit subscribe or leave a review for Hopeful Hints and Infertility Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you back here next week, Tuesday. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Nurse Wellness Podcast, hosted by Wendy Garvin Mayo, focuses on the power of stress management and how it's foundational to being your best, doing your best, and giving your best. There's a wonderful episode that you should check out called Letting Go, where Wendy Garvin Mayo shares six strategies to release control and manage stress effectively. Check out Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.